you talk about destroying masculinity. It's yeah. happening right in front of our eyes. Yeah. But you're right, deep down inside, and that's the listen. That's the man God intended. Wow. That's the yeah. man we need to get to. Yeah. And you don't do that in a in a conference or in a church. Hey, do I enjoy being a conference speaker? You and I both enjoy. Of course. That. Yeah. But that's not where it's happening, man. Right. Right. We got to get in their face. We got to be one on one. We're not a bunch of personalities that are up there that are distant. Right. We got to be, and that's what you do, and that's what I love about you. Hey, friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new edition of the Victor Marks Show. This is part two with a good friend, Brother Vince. And you got to go back and listen to the first episode if you hadn't. Uh, it gives you context of what we're going to talk about today. But uh, this is a man that I respect as one as a man, just as a man. And then next is a Christian, uh, a father, a grandfather. You've you've led well, and your life is beyond reproach. Um, and you have a, a great story of salvation and then a struggle as a, a new Christian until you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Which let's pick it up there, where you know there's a lot of people listening, uh, men or women. They struggle. They struggle in their faith, or they're trying to connect. But what you would say is a person needs to make sure that they're following Christ as a disciple, making him their Lord, not just a Christian, not just. You know, I'm saved. Is is that how you would say it? It, it, it is, but um, if I may, let me let me just share my journey of of discovering what a disciple actually is. Okay, because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding. Out I there. agree. We talk about discipleship and and what a disciple, but I'm I'm not sure that there's a really commonly agreed upon definition right. of what a disciple of Jesus is. Right. The most simple way to look at it is uh, a disciple is like Christ. Okay. So then it begs the question, okay, then what was Christ like? Mm. And so we get our model from him. So I up until just recently, because I'm working on a, on a new book uh, called "The Man God Intended," at least that's the working title. I like and that. It really, it really defines. It's it's a, a journey toward uh, uh, biblical uh, masculinity. Wow, is really what we're trying <laughs> to nail down. But here's what happened to me back in the uh, '70s. My company sent me to UCLA to take some extension courses, and I decided to go into this area called behavioral science. And it always, uh, there was always a question that haunted me back then, and I wasn't a believer, but the question was this. Why is it that some people are happy, secure, successful, hitting on all cylinders, really making a difference in their world, right. while others would seemingly, the same set of gifts and background and even age sometimes, struggle? Mm. Why? What is it we can learn from this successful model or person 
that's transferable. It, it's a basic business concept. I and mean, what can we learn from these processes that can help another company that's struggling do it better? Mm. But in this case, it was people. Well, what I discovered was the kind of person that I'm describing here that's happy, secure, secure. They have, they have three things in common. Now, I was doing this research. I never wrote a, a paper on it. I should have, but, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't go for a PhD at this time. But if I were to go back now, I, I would write a paper on it. And part of it's going to be in this book. But there are three things in common. I want to take it right to Christianity. I want to forget just the average Joe Blow in the okay. world. The, the Christian man we're trying to build, the person who is hitting on all cylinders, has three things in common. And these are very important. Number one, they know God intimately. Mm. And I want to underscore the word intimate because most men don't get yeah, what, what? Yeah, what does that okay. mean? I'll unpack that in a minute. But they know God intimately. And by the way, this is, in my view, where the church is failing us. We're not getting people deeply rooted in their relationship with God. They don't have any quiet time. They don't have a devotional habit. They're not no. praying. They're not really making an attempt to hear him, sense his presence, and there's ways that we can train people to do that. But because we haven't done that, they don't go any further in discovering who they are. So number one, they know God intimately. Number two, as a result of that, let me say that again, only as a result of that, they have answered the two most important questions in life. And those two questions, and that was part of my first book, Wired to Work, how and why. And it works like this, Lord, how did you make me, Victor or Vince, how did you make me uniquely? In other words, think of it this way, Lord, when you look at me, what do you see? Mm. Man, I don't know anybody that wouldn't want the answer to that question, okay? Whoa. And then once I know how you made me, why? Mm. What is your purpose? What is your design? What is the destiny you have in mind? Who am I? Who is this man you intended? What does that look like? Okay, number one, go, go back. I got to know God intimately. Or I may, I may figure out maybe what my gifts are and have an idea of a vision for my life, but it'll be more shaped by the world around me and my circumstances than it will be by God. Mm -hmm. So the importance of knowing God intimately is critical. Mm -hmm. Then I discover how and why he made me. And then number three, simple, I'm living the vision out. I'm reproducing myself. To me, that is what a disciple is. So if you want to test it, go back to Jesus. What were the three most important characteristics that he had? He knew, did he know God intimately? Oh, yeah. You bet he did. Oh, yeah. Did he know how God made who he was? For and sure. And did he also know whose he was? And he had his purpose in mind, which he died for. Mm. So did he live it out? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, but, Victor, until a man gets there, then truly he's not a disciple. He's not out reproducing himself. And for <sighs> me, the biggest mistake that we make is not helping men understand the importance of that relationship with the Lord, spending time with God. I mean, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been investing in making men into disciples of well, Christ? I go back to the, the beginnings of uh, the men's ministry, what we call movement, uh, going back like 30 years ago when Promise Keepers began. Our ministry began in, in um, 1994. Okay. So we've been doing it for a long time. I, I'm 
there's a lot of us around the country that we all know each other, all the leaders of the men's ministry. Right. Coach McCartney, there's, there's guys like Man on the Mirror right. Ministries. I mean, they're all over the country. Um, uh, well, so we've been doing this for, for a very long time. But I tell all my men's ministry friends that only in America do we call something a movement that does not move. <laughs> Uh, because honestly, if we're going to look at this thing, you know, what are our metrics? Oh, here comes what, a, what are the metrics? Here comes some if, hashtag truth. What, what if the metrics are butts and chairs? We're doing great, right? Okay, but if the metrics are producing spiritual depth, and by the way, that's hard. It's hard to measure uh, spiritual depth, you, and you can't do it just by watching people coming in in and out of your church doors, right? Okay, we we have, there there are two things that we 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 really missed in the men's ministry movement. Number one, we've missed who our customer is. We thought our customer was the man. Mm. Now, now listen, I'm this listening. Really important. Um, back in the 40s and 50s, when televisions first came on the scene. The major corporation of the time was General Electric. Yeah. They decided to advertise their washers and dryers over this new medium called television to you and I, the consumer. Those advertising campaigns failed miserably. Why? Mm. Because the consumer was not their customer. Mm-hmm. Their customer was J.C. Penney and Sears and Roebuck. Interesting. Okay. Well, overlay that over the men's ministry movement. Mm. The man is not our customer. The J.C. Penney and the Sears and Roebuck is the church. Mm-hmm. That's where discipleship needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So we fail to recognize our true customer, and then we began to event men to death. Oh, to Let me just death. say this, Victor. We have probably had, conservatively, 20,000 men ask the Lord Jesus into their heart for the very first time through our conferences and our ministry. But I'm going to be realistic now. In my younger days, I would never have admitted this. Right. But today, if you could somehow find those 20,000 guys, I'll bet you couldn't find 100 of them that are truly what we would call disciples. Folks, did y'all just hear this? This is a bombshell. And it disrupts the ministry machine and philosophy because you're not supposed to talk like that, Vince. You know that you, you won't be invited to events and you won't, you know, you won't be in the good old boys club anymore. But you're doing it because you're 77. You've been doing this for all these years, and you really care about men. You care about the church. You care about the family. And and I appreciate your courage to just say what's truthful. Yeah, men, men, we we need to get this. Men are hurting. Yeah, Victor, there you oh, see yeah. it all the time. Oh yeah, you've been there yourself. Yeah, they're hurting. They're confused. They're anxious. More, by the way, more today than ever in my lifetime. Uh, there is so much confusion, and shame on us if yeah. we're not. Now, here's the key. Here's the key, and I, I listen. You know, I have a lot of quotes, right? Yeah. Most of my quotes suck. In fact, I got to come up with a worse word than suck because bites. They're, they're really bad. How about okay. bites? There's only one quote that I have that I really like, and here it is. This is really important and very deep. Are you ready? Yes. It takes a relational environment in order for truth to become transformational. Mm. Let me repeat that. It takes a relational environment in order for truth to become transformational. Wow. If I'm holding up a Bible right here, uh, that's the truth. We have the, we have the best truth since Jesus walked planet Earth because we've got the Word of God. But did you know for three-fourths of the history of the church on planet Earth, 
there was no Bible. Right. Okay, so it begs the question. Right. I, I, I want to suggest to our listeners that could it be that the people who loved the Lord before the Bible had a deeper relationship with God than the ones post-Bible? Mm. Could it be? And if so, how did that happen? It happened because they talked with each other. They, didn't, they weren't looking at their devices. They weren't trapped by all the other distractions. They had relational environment where they could take the truth of God and move it from life implication to life application in a relational environment. And that's what, by the way, that, that where you attended, that was on Target Institute. Right. Okay, and that's what we developed for 20 years is a curriculum and created a relational environment, and that's where men are growing around their tables. If I were doing church today, 12-minute, 15-minute message, and an hour around tables, not in, not in pews, right. not in chairs, right. discussing and moving that truth from life implication to life application. Well, you know what? I remember you doing that when I was attending. That was a long time ago. Yeah, 25-plus years ago, I think. Or No, it was actually about, yeah, about 20. 20. And, um, and it works. But why, why aren't we doing it these days? Um, it's a good question. Uh, and I ask that question everywhere that I go. But but one of the reasons is it's hard. Okay. It's hard work. Here, okay. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. In order to decentralize and understand that people grow by being by rubbing shoulders with each other, iron sharpens iron, you have to have people that are good facilitators. Here's here's one of the reasons why a man doesn't a man doesn't go back to his his men's group. I'll be darned if I'm going to go back there and listen to Harvey complain about his wife one more time. Right. Okay, well, is that Harvey's fault? No. no. It's the facilitator's fault. We, right. we have a whole training, by the way, of and, and, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but if anybody wants to know more about us, yeah, where, where, where do we OTM, go? for On Target Ministries, otm.co. Just C-O. Not dot .com. Not dot .com. Well, you can't right? afford the dot .com? You only with the no, C-O? We, somebody stole our original dot .com. I believe that. And so we had to come up with a new one uh, years ago. But if anybody wants to get a hold of me, it's Vince at otm.co. That's, you're welcome okay. to email me. But if you want to know more about our resources and what we do, we we help churches set up this kind of disciple-making ministry. And we've we've learned a lot. We've been beta testing this for 20 years. Mm. We started with 20 guys at a church here locally about a year and a half, two years ago. They're up to 400 men representing 40 different churches. You talk about every Tuesday morning, by the way. But the reason it's hard is because you, you're almost like a professional plate spinner because you've got all these 60 or 70 leaders now of tables. Now, in a smaller church, it's much easier. But you've got to make sure your leaders are solid. Right. And the problem in the body of Christ is we lower the bar for numbers. Okay. Well, let, let me just let me give you a real life story. Um, a guy that was attending a church I used to attend for a bit, uh, men's, he was involved in the ministry. He was on the leadership team. Uh, he's actually a doctor. Um, I was in Iraq when I found out that he cheated on his wife. And when I got back, you know, I'm like three months after the fact and the pastor, you know, that I'd call the pastor. First of all, I text the guy directly. I'm like, dude, is this true what I'm hearing? He's like, well, you know, I don't really want to talk about it. And then I called him and said, I'm just back from Iraq. You're a leader in the church. Uh, 
you know, let, let's find out what type of friendship we have right now, champ. We are going to talk about this because this is unacceptable. And he had cheated on his wife, left her, and shacked up with his, like, secretary or something like that at, at his office. So he didn't want to talk. I, well, I went back and forth with him. Then I contacted the pastor. I'm like, hey, what's up? This is one of your main guys. What happened when y'all confronted him? And I'll never forget what he told me. I should say his name, but I won't. I'll be somewhat polite. This pastor, what a, he said, well, we haven't, we haven't like met with him yet. I said, three months, one of your leaders commits adultery, moves out. His wife and two children are completely shattered. High school kids. You haven't grabbed another elder or two and gone meet. He goes, well, you know, he doesn't want to meet. I'm sure he doesn't want to meet. He goes, I text him, but he doesn't want to meet. I said, great. Wait by his car in the parking lot when that doctor gets off of work. Wait out there like a little ruffian gang and confront him and say, what is going on, man? How can we help you unwind this? And I was I was heartbroken. And I told that pastor, I said, look, if I if I get sideways, I would hope somebody would love me enough to get a couple of guys and confront me. If they're scared of me, taser me, you know, or whatever. Duct tape me to a chair and say, you owe us at least this to listen to us and try. And guess what? I lived that out not, not much longer later when a friend of mine did the same thing, and I confronted him and— and he ended up repenting, but that's part of the reason I think the church is so messed up because people are scared. It is, um, Victor. But it, you know, as you're speaking, I'm reminded of who you are. Um, and the problem in in our in our church today, especially in America, but more broadly, perhaps beyond our borders, is that we're not. We don't have those kind of men in the pulpits today, and, and as a result of that, we're not producing or reproducing, reproducing. those kinds of men, because right. think about what you do. Yeah. You're in the rescue business. Yeah. You have an attitude, no man left behind. Yeah. You're not going to stand for it, and that's what's missing, Yeah, and that's what we try to do, and the only way you can do that, if you're in a large church, to expect that senior pastor, especially, to be able to go out and do that for all of his members is impossible. But right. if you don't get that, if that's not a cultural issue right. in the church, right. it isn't going to happen. So what we do with On Target Institute is that that all gets driven down to a manageable size. Like you've got, let me give you an example. Okay. You've got a leader that's a, there's three or 400 guys in the auditorium. You're not going to have that in most churches. But let's say you've got 30, 40 guys, you've got four or five tables. Right. That leader is responsible for those four or five men. They're his band of brothers, and every leader has to call every man in his group every week with a non-agenda phone call. Wow. And if, and, if, and if a man in that group, okay, let me tell you what happened to me. Okay. 20, 30 years ago, I got in a small group in Colorado Springs with a bunch of really high-level guys. Yeah. Okay, there were about five yeah. of us. Yeah. We've been meeting for a year, and one of the guys in our group went up in the mountains and blew his brains out. Mm. We did not have a clue. clue. Yeah. Okay, and I told myself at that time, mm. I I will never allow this to happen again. Mm. And that's the attitude we need to have for our brothers. Yeah, we we need to be there for them. We need to look in their eyes. We not not just listen to their words. Right. Oftentimes, their words aren't going to give you a clue. 
Look for signs that people are struggling today more than ever. Come on, Victor, you and I just had the experience. You yeah. came and prayed for that young boy who committed suicide. Yeah. It's rampant. It's yeah. everywhere. And we've got to recognize this. And that's that's how you grow yeah. is through relationships. I'd be, I'd be concerned if men at some level aren't okay with confrontation because life is about confrontation but if you're doing it in love, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and what are you afraid of? Um, I had a disagreement with a a neighbor who's a pastor in the area, and still to this day he hasn't met with me. A pastor, and he wrote a book on men's leadership, and I'm like, whatever, dude. You you wouldn't even you're not even holding to the ethos you wrote about. Why not meet? I get the flip side of the coin. I had a special forces guy. A uh, lot of experience overseas. He was here. I've, I've known him for a while. I helped him out some things. He helped here. He started squirreling out right out there where even my CEO came out, who's former Delta commander, you know, troop commander, and we couldn't get this guy under control. He wow. was yelling. He was just like, man, just, you know, just, he was, he's, he was unraveling. And, and then he, you know, he's yelling at me. I just said, hey, do we need to go back to the back of the property and, like, handle this like two men? And he goes, no. And inside I was thinking, thank goodness, because you're a lot younger than me, and that's not a fun (laughs) dance. Okay, I may have to tase you while while your back's turning me. No, he goes, no, no. And I said, are we friends? And we're yelling at this point because that's how he's hearing are you? Are we friends? He says, yes. I said, friends don't treat friends like this. And then I looked at him and I said, do you know I love you? Wow. And he goes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, awesome. yeah. then stop with all the craziness. Get, get You know, get off the tra- crazy train. I love you. You know, we're going to unravel this. You're going to be fine. We're going to. And guess what? He just started tearing up, yeah. got soft, and he goes, I don't think I can do it anymore. Wow. I said, do what? He goes, life. Yeah. He would have left here and blown his brains out because yeah. he shared he shared that as so much. Guess what? That guy ended up getting restored. And <laughs> to, my, to my chagrin and embarrassment, you know, we do a thing called retooling prayer. Well, we pray to make sure there's no demonic assignments against a person. And I go, I looked down, and I'd known him for a while. I was like, have I ever prayed for you like the retooling prayer? He goes, no. He got loud. I went, oh. I said, well, do you want me to? He goes, yes. I said, okay, well, let's meet. Because you know, I, t- I was like, let's meet tomorrow. Well, And he looked at me with that look like, if that's so real and that works so much, how about, and I said, right now? He goes, right now. All right, all right, all right. Listen, for those of you who are listening right now, I'm trying to tell Victor he needs to do video podcast because you need to see the expressions on his face as he's saying this. But you know what occurred to me when you were talking about this? Look at what's happening in our culture today. Because what, what you said a moment ago, I believe, is accurate. Most men want that. Right, they don't. They don't know they want it sometimes, but they want that, and they'll they'll de- they'll go with it. Right. But look at what our culture is doing 
to men. Demasculating, starting with passivity. Little boys. Yeah, all that of that is hideous. Yeah, you talk about you. You talk about destroying masculinity. It's yeah. happening right in front of our eyes. Yeah, but you're right. Deep down inside, and that's the listen. That's the man God intended. Wow. That's the yeah. man we need to get to. Yeah, and you don't do that. In a in a conference or in a church, hey, do I enjoy being a conference speaker? You and I both enjoy, of course, that. yeah. But that's not where it's happening, man. Right, right. We got to get in their face. We got to be one on one. We're not a bunch of personalities that are up there that are distant. Right, got to be, and that's what you do, and that's what I love about you. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be in that guy's face, and you're gonna yeah. love him through it. And we need more men like that. And folks, the key is love, because you know I'm not. Somebody just recently accused me of. Uh, a leftist big blogger, big wig, accused me of calling my wife a bride at an event where we were speaking to young ladies. And I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm guilty. I call her bride all the time. I like remembering when I married her, and, uh, and I like remembering it every day. But on this point of uh, it's not – we're not talking about toxic masculine. We're talking about healthy – what I would call a dangerous gentleman, and I'll give you a great example. I was at dinner with uh, my CEO, uh, Colonel Teagues, a thousand missions in Delta. Uh, he, he's hunted and killed more monsters than anybody I've worked with, and we're very successful. That's one of the reasons why God has blessed our efforts in counter sex trafficking, pedophile work. He's a gifted guy. But we were at dinner with a bunch of bigwigs, right? Ministry guys, da 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 da, and he's sitting there, and he he quirps a little joke about some a situation that happened, and it was like a you know it's army you know you know, and I mean it's easy for us to have potty mouths and different things and kind of be a little rough. He didn't cuss or anything, but he made kind of a harsh. And the guy at the table, younger than him, who's a very well known leader, turned and looked at him and said, "That's not funny." Don't make fun of that. Wow. Some people's lives were destroyed because of it. And I mean, you want to know awkward? The whole table just pink. Because here's a young guy who's a leader of a very big organization talking to a retired colonel who has, you know, done it all. Yeah. And you know the response? Colonel looked at him and said, I apologize. You're right. That was uncalled for. And the two things we saw that night is the courage of a 28-year-old man who leads a great organization. I'll tell you his name's Charlie Kirk. Oh yeah. Uh and and I'm I'm privileged to to be able to work with Charlie on some, you know, talking to uh, he asked me to mentor him. So, you know, it's it's that level of Charlie's doing a lot of great stuff. Oh, it's it's incredible. But I was so proud to see him just rightly confront somebody he didn't agree with, and then to see the humility of the colonel yeah. to go, you're right. I apologize. That's awesome. That was uncalled for. So, folks, that's what we're looking at, the balance of rejecting passivity, accepting responsibility, sending it for what's right without being a jerk. You don't have to be a knuckle dragger. You ain't got to throw some, punch somebody you know, to, to get the point across. But it's all done in love. Yes. And men, we're better than this. We're better than what the standard of this culture says we should be. Yeah. And we, we it's time to rise up, I believe, with all my heart. We only have a couple of minutes left, Vince. 
We're going to do this again. This is just too rich. I enjoy picking your brain, hearing great things. And and to the pastor, or uh, there's pastors listening, and then there's men listening. How can they learn more about what you're talking about, become a disciple, and grow? Where do they go? Well, first of all, if there are pastors and leaders that are listening in, I— uh, my prayer for all of you is that you would you would go before God and ask Him what uh, you can do differently to ensure that you're really growing people. Mm. I remember when I was coming up under Pastor Hayford, his whole motto was "Grow big people, mm. not, not just big buildings, but yeah. grow grow That's good. big people." Because um, superfici- uh, Tyrone Edwards, I think, said superficiality is the great curse of our age. Mm. We, we don't need more you know brilliant intellectual. We need deep people people right. that are deep and and so if you're a pastor and leader look for ways that you can truly change your metrics to instead of worrying about how many people are in those chairs mm-hmm. uh, are they going deeper and are you I used to say when I would teach on leadership that if you're a good leader you're an environmentalist and I don't mean mm-hmm. that in the tree hugger sense I mean that your job is to create the environment necessary to produce the desired result if you're building a greenhouse, you got to have the right amount of light, the right moisture content in the air, and the right nutrients in the soil, so that when you introduce the seed, you didn't grow it. You mm. created the environment for it to grow. Take that approach when it comes to building your men. Create the men. That's what On Target Institute does, by the way. I'd be happy to talk to any leader that wants uh, help. Uh, and we don't charge for this, but if you want help or uh, any kind of wisdom and what we've learned in the last 20 years for recycling men, just call me mm-hmm. or just email me, Vince at otm.co. If if <laughs> Better you're, be careful what you ask for. Well, that's okay. We, if you're listening. If we you're reached listening, a lot of people last year. Well, I, I welcome it. And you know, if I don't get back to everybody right away, forgive me, but, uh, but I, I do try to respond to all my emails. But uh, you can also, by the way, find us on a lot of different platforms, which are all on our webpage. Okay. We're on like eight or nine different platforms. And is, the, is the webpage again otm.co? That's it. Okay. www, okay? But if you're listening to this and you're not a pastor or a leader, our leaders and our pastors, we're, we're asking many of our pastors to fix issues in their men that yeah. they themselves have not worked through. Whoa. They need encouragement. Yeah. They, many pastors will admit, and you know this, they've never been discipled. Yeah. Wow. They don't even know what it looks like in their own life. Wow. And what can you do about that? Pray for them. Encourage them. Uh, volunteer to help them. Come up alongside them. Because they really desire that, but they're not always going to be asking for it. Yeah. Because we're desperate for this, man. We're living in desperate times, and we need to get this. Mm. Folks, otm.co to find out more information about my guest, friend, brother, fellow warrior, and someone that I, I look up to. And we're, we're looking at our table right now. We literally have the same wallet, fobs, and different handguns, but same setup <laughs> for everyday carries. Uh, it's funny. We're just excited a lot of people. I right think, there. yeah, th- this is why we got to switch the videos because people want to know, uh, <laughs> what are y'all carrying? What's GEDC? Uh, but Hey, contact us at victormarks.com to find out more. Subscribe to the podcast so you can find out when new ones drop. Vince, thank you for being here, brother. God bless Appreciate you. It. We're going to do more of this. Yeah, we will. 
Yes, we will. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hey, go get it done for the glory of God. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversations beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.